This episode is brought to you by ProMensal. So imagine on the surface of the eye, you've got a, a wash of tears. Now, with hormonal changes, we may experience that we don't just produce enough water. Things are drying out and, and the eyes are also part of this process. Now, you would think just adding water to the eye should help fix this, but that's just like fixing dry skin with a splash of water. Welcome to Thriving in Menopause, brought to you by Prevention Magazine. I'm Andrea Duval, Editor of Prevention, and in this final episode of the current series, we're going to be chatting about our eyes. With me in the studio today is optometrist Grishma Patel. Hi, Grishma. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me on. In previous episodes, we've looked at how our shifting hormones do many surprising things to our bodies. What effect do these changes have on our eyes? So hormones can change throughout life, but it's less known or it's less talked about that in perimenopause or menopause stages, your eyesight does go through changes too. It seems to coincide with the natural aging process of the eye. So after 40, the eyes go through a stage called presbyopia, where your near vision starts to change. So you may have noticed that things are difficult to see when they're very close or if they're quite small and in low light levels. Now, it usually occurs after the age of 40, but it can coincide with the stages of menopause and perimenopause where the hormones change and it feels almost as though your vision is changing so rapidly. So, in fact, what we're talking about, I suppose, is the need for reading glasses ultimately, and how how common is this? Because a lot of women I know are very proud of the fact that, well, I don't need reading glasses. And then there's people like me who desperately need them. So, yeah, what's the breakdown? I would say that most people in their lifetime will go through this shift in their vision from the age of 40 onwards. Now, whether or not that amounts to needing reading glasses or contact lenses depends on your individual needs. A lot of people will find that they can cope providing that the light levels are good, providing that they're not reading for too long. And it depends on the work that we're doing as well. Now, if we're looking at screens for a long period of time or we're reading for hours per day, we may find actually these symptoms start to show earlier. So it could be before you're 40, but reading glasses, I often tell my patients it's an eventuality. Most of the time, you're going to need glasses to help you with your nearsight for some reason or another, whether it's every day or whether it's just for occasional small print. I did read somewhere that the actual shape of your eye lens changes. What What's going on there? So the eye, the lens in the eye accounts for about a third of your ability to see. Now that lens helps to focus light to the retina. So it helps you to form a nice image. Now, if there is a shortfall in that lens, if it doesn't focus so well, you'll ultimately need glasses. Um, and when that happens after the age of 40, it's known as presbyopia. And what is happening to the lens at this point is it's going through structural changes where it becomes less flexible. The muscles around that lens also lose their elasticity as well. And this is happening elsewhere in the body too. Um, we know that there is loss of elasticity elsewhere as well during these, um, these critical years. And usually that means that it takes longer to adjust focus. You'll find that your focus slows down and you may find that actually you just can't focus so well. So the, the ability to go from a far point of focus to a close point of focus becomes a bit more sluggish. And that's where the lens is beginning to sort of lose its elasticity and ultimately starts to harden. 
Uh-huh. One thing I'd like to talk to you about around this is blue light. We're seeing a lot of advertisements these days around uh, glasses that are especially designed to help you with blue light. Tell me about screens and how they impact the eyes and what is real science versus what is marketing? Okay, so real science. Blue light is everywhere. It's under these fluorescent lights that we're sitting under. It's in front of us on our phones, on our computer screens. It's there. It's part of the visible spectrum of light. Now, blue light studies have shown certain uh, changes that occur when you're exposed to a lot of you, you, blue light. And um, most of these studies show patterns of sleep that have been disturbed. So the advent of blue light tint on lenses has been specifically marketed towards helping people feel better with their eyes, I believe, when it comes to the eyes and actually whether this filter will help your eyes. There's no evidence to say that it will. And you'll find often these glasses that have blue light tint on them just make things seem a bit more yellow. So when you're looking through the lens, the bright white of your screen is no longer bright white. It's slightly more sepia. You can get the same effect by looking at your settings on your phone or your computer screen and actually just toning down the brightness or putting on the night mode. Now, I don't recommend the, the blue light filter for my patients, typically unless they actually have a desire to keep using it if they're already using it or if they want to reduce the brightness. So whereas there's no solid science to say that it's going to help protect your eyes, it might help you feel better if you have it on your glasses. My suggestion usually is have an eye test, find out what the actual problem is. Usually, if you are having trouble with your sight looking at screens, there's a reason for it. It may be that you have uncorrected prescription for astigmatism. You may be presbyopic or long-sighted even. And usually having the right glasses for that focal range that you're looking at with a normal anti-glare coating is enough. That's usually enough to help you feel better with your sight. One of the things about blue light that's supposed to be supportive is that when we're looking at screens before we fall asleep, that in fact, it won't impact our sleep. Mm -hmm. That's right. So if you're using a night mode setting on your phone, or if you are reducing the brightness on your phone, if that's what you're looking at or your tablet, that should really help. Um, if you already wear glasses, it's something that you can look into, but I wouldn't say it's necessary to delve into the blue light tint. Okay. Um, one of the things that I think we're all guilty of um, post-COVID was the amount of time we've all spent on screens and the eye strain, a, a knock-on effect. What, what's your recommendation on avoiding eye strain? So eye strain is it's a very broad topic which happens with lots of different symptoms. Now, I'll, I'll go through the main ones because eye strain can be just difficulty focusing looking at your screen or difficulty in adjusting focus when you finish looking at your screen. So some people may notice that when they leave work, they're not able to see the bus or the train timetable so well, and they may find that road signs are less clear. And that could be an impact of eye strain when looking at the screen. Eye strain can also occur if we are experiencing effects of dry eye. Now, dry eye can be something that we experience during the hormonal shifts that happen with perimenopause and menopause. But also there are other hormones that can cause changes to the, the eye, which makes the eye dry ultimately. And these changes can occur, occur with thyroid um, eye disease or thyroid dysfunction. Sometimes for people that live with diabetes, just the the hormone changes, the insulin changes can cause dry eyes too. So the symptoms of dry eyes can can masquerade as just 
gritty, sore eyes or difficulty focusing, sensitivity to light. All of these things are exacerbated by looking at a computer screen. Why? Because when we look at computer screens, I don't know if you've noticed this, we, we tend not to blink enough. We tend to literally stare. Really? And we reduce our blink pattern when we're concentrating on anything. But when this happens with our screens, we tend to notice it a bit more. It's a bright screen. We're looking at it. And if you experience um, dry eyes, you will find that that glare from the screen bothers you. Sometimes you'll compensate by perhaps leaning a bit closer to the screen and, and making modifications. And, and all of this, we're blaming it on screens. And it's, it's, there's underlying factors that to consider as well, such as dry eyes or your prescription, even your posture. Interesting. So one of the things that really surprised me was to find out that the actual formulation of our tears changes as well. Yes. So, right. The formulation of your tears. Now, Lend me your imagination for this because it's quite, it's not very technical, but I'm going to break it down so it's quite easy to understand. There is a three layer tear film that we have. So imagine on the surface of the eye, you've got a, a wash of tears. Now there's a tear film sandwich, I like to call it, where the center, the middle of that sandwich is just your bulk of aqueous, lots of water. Now that's held close to the eye by the first layer called mucus and it's covered by another layer called lipid layer, which is an oily layer. So that's your tear film sandwich. You've got mucus, you've got water, and you've got oil. Now that's a perfect quality of tear film. You can have deficiencies in any of those three layers, and they can cause different symptoms. Now with hormonal changes, we may experience that we don't just produce enough water. Things are drying out and, and the eyes are also part of this process. So you may have deficiency in just the aqueous, in just the water. Now you would think just adding water to the eye should help fix this, but that's just like fixing dry skin with a splash of water. You need a bit more. You need to remember that there's mucus and then there's oil. That all helps to keep that that sandwich of tear film on the eye and comfortable. So oil comes from your eyelids and mucus comes from the underside of your eyelids. And all of these are important factors to preserve a healthy formula of tears. Over time, when we are staring at computer screens, I'm going to go back to computer screens because this is one of the ultimate reasons that we get what we call evaporative dry eye. But if we're staring at computer screens, the oil that we produce from our eyelids doesn't get washed over the tear film. So we end up getting deficiency of oil. And that means the water underneath that tends to evaporate more. We lose more water to the environment. So blinking is really useful. Um, that's difficult to remember when you're busy and you're staring at a screen for eight hours a day. It's difficult to remember to blink. So finding a formulation of eye drops that has extra moisture in the form of oils is really useful. Now, if you see your optometrist, they will usually be able to diagnose which type of tear film deficiency you have and recommend the right sort of product to help to, to naturally um, increase the layer that you're deficient in. That's so interesting because I'm one of those people guilty of going along the shelf and going, what's the cheapest eye drop, without any awareness that there are these differences. And the most um, 
The most complicated would be if there is a deficiency of moisture from hormonal situations, but also from environmental factors, then you've got a couple of things going wrong. And and usually there's a a dry eye management plan. It's not just one drop that will do everything for you. Usually there's a bit of a process to try and make the eyes more comfortable. So don't be surprised if you're told to use one drop in the morning of a certain formulation, do some lid compresses and maybe use a different eye drop in the evening. It may be a bit more complicated. We'll be right back after this. Perimenopause can actually start in your 40s. Declining estrogen production during perimenopause brings on changes to menstrual cycles and often the onset of hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings and sexual problems. Promensal Peri is specifically designed for perimenopausal women and can help relieve these common menopausal symptoms. Promensal Perry is available at leading pharmacies across Australia and offers a cost-effective treatment at under $1 a day. When things start to change, try Promensal Perry. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. Okay, we're back. Okay, so one of the things that I think most of us um, get nervous about when our eyes start to become challenging for us is, oh, we've got to go to an optometrist. Um, what's involved? What's going to cost? So can you just explain having an eye test, how expensive it is and what happens from there? I'm so glad you asked this because I, if a lot of people are feeling this way, I want to just reassure that we're living in a country where eye examinations are subsidised by Medicare. You can have an eye test, which is bulk billed, and there'll be no out-of-pocket expenses. And, and we recommend that you do this every two to three years. So these eye testing uh, centres, optometrists are on the high street. They're widely accessible and they're open seven days a week very often. So there is really no barrier to, to getting to these places. Now, what to expect when you go and have an eye examination? Well, you'll be asked a lot of questions by the optometrist about yourself, your eye health, your visual needs, but also about your health and whether you're taking medications because there's lots of things that can impact your eyes. So don't be surprised if it gets a little bit personal. It's all very useful because ultimately the eye test is to help evaluate your eye needs and to help you. There are some machines and there's some really fancy equipment nowadays. We've got this really great state of the art scan at Specsavers and it's called the OCT, but I won't, I won't mumble you with jargon, but essentially it's like having an x-ray of the eye. In a quick flash, it tells us a lot of information about your eye, whether your eyes are okay for your age, whether there's something that's not quite right. And with this scan, we're able to detect eye disease so much earlier than if you were just having a a quick eye test or worse still, not going at all. It's really painless. I promise you it's really painless and it's safe and it's quick. Now, at the end of the eye examination, you'll be given a conclusion, um, a recommendation. doesn't mean that you must have glasses. In fact, a lot of my patients don't need glasses. They're coming in just proactively to have their eyes examined just to make sure that they know that they're doing everything right um, and from a preventative perspective and maybe making sure that they're acting upon some evidence from family history. If they've known that a great uncle or an uncle has had an eye disease or lost their vision, it's important just to make sure you follow up and know your your risk as well. So that's interesting because that touches on things that happen later in life like 
glaucoma, for example, and I suppose like every aspect of your health that you should get checked up, now's the time to make sure that there's no sign that this could be developing in the background. That's right. So look, here in Australia, it's thought that one in 50 Australians have glaucoma and actually 50% of people with glaucoma don't even realise that they have it. It's one of those painless eye conditions and it's easy to pick up and it's easy to treat. When I say most people don't realise that they have it, it's because it doesn't really affect your vision in the centre. In its early stages, it affects your peripheral vision. And so over time, if you start to lose peripheral vision, you may just bump into things a bit more. You may attribute it to clumsiness and we'll put an excuse towards it because it may just be a natural process of what you think is ageing. But it can be something that's picked up early and preventing um, loss of peripheral vision is the ultimate goal. The risks of developing glaucoma are greater if you have a relative who has had glaucoma. Um, they're greater if you've had injuries to the eyes. And, and in some people, it's greater if you have other health conditions too. So I think it's just really important to know what your risks are. And, and if there is something that's lingering in the background, to be able to inform your family members as well and just make sure everyone's sort of being proactive with their eye health. So get those eyes checked every two to three years. Every two years is, is sensible, yes. Okay, okay. Summer's coming and I guess we need to think about protecting our eyes as much as we protect our skin. So what should we be looking for? So protecting your eyes in the sun, it's – I love here that in Australia that children from a very young age are told to wear hats in the playground, no hat, no play policy. And then at some point we forget all of this. And we stop wearing our hats. Um, and it's fine if you wear sunglasses. The sun is bright and it's very harmful. Um, but as summer's approaching, if you haven't invested in a good pair of sunglasses or if you're a glasses wearer like myself and find it really difficult to choose glasses, now's the time to start looking for a prescription pair of sunglasses just so you've got an option. Um, their sun reflects from all surfaces. It's not just from up in the sky. Sun reflects from pavement, from sea, from sand, and, and it can be really damaging for the internal eye. But let's not forget about the external eye. So the eyelids, how often and how diligent are we about applying sunscreen to our eyelids? It's a very sensitive area. It's a very thin area. And I think a lot of us avoid aggravating the skin there. But that sunblock needs to be applied and reapplied as regularly as you would do anywhere else. I had never thought about that. So, wow, that's that's one to uh, to start practicing. The other thing to think about is, I guess, thanks to Bugs, Bugs Bunny, we're all we, you know we've all heard carrots are good for our eyes. Um, but what about foods and drinks that can have an impact on our eyes and our sight? So well, carrots uh, started off as a myth, didn't it, during World War Two? Where did it? Yeah. So the story I was reading up on this actually is it's really interesting because a lot of patients ask me about carrots and they say, "Oh, I've been eating my carrots, so I should be great." And what I've heard is that during the time of World War Two, the British Royal Air Force invented this myth, which attributed carrots to clear and sharp vision, and as a way to explain their success and sudden increase in in enemy bombers being shot down. And so they, they spread this campaign rumor that British pilots were eating carrots to help improve their vision. And in reality, the British had just been testing out a new radar system, and they wanted to keep it a secret from Germany. <laughs> so it started off as as this myth, but actually it's not completely untrue. 
So carrots have antioxidants. They're rich in antioxidants and vitamin A. But other vegetables are also really, and, and it's all from vegetables. We can find all the nutrients that we need to preserve eyes from vegetables. So antioxidants found in broccoli, in kale, in spinach, all those dark greens. And then there's sweet corn as well. So these have lutein and zeaxanthin. And, and these two um, are really sort of special warriors to help protect the, the pigment of the macula. So imagine free radicals, which are sort of enemies um, of the macula coming from sun exposure. And then you've got antioxidants, which are your protective barrier from vegetables. And there's a bit of a, a, a way that the antioxidants prevent the free radicals from damaging the tissue. So making sure you've got a good varied diet is important. But dark green vegetables and sweet corn is the other one um, are really useful to, to start paying attention to. Thank you for that. That's really useful. All right. So Tell me, as someone who wears reading glasses, I'm very guilty of walking away from my desk, keeping the glasses on, and um, then I obviously can't see people coming towards me. They probably think I'm really rude. But tell me, is this impacting the health of my eyes? Are they getting lazier as a result? No. So it's important at this point just to to advise listeners that the eye, it's not a muscle. So for you over-wearing your glasses, it's not going to make your eyes lazy you just won't see very well in the distance. You will ignore your co-workers <laughs> that might smile at you. <laughs> so what's the best way to look after my eyes on a daily basis? I'm very good at taking my mascara off, but I don't really pay much else attention to them. Looking after your eyes on a daily basis starts with making sure you have enough sleep. Rested eyes are generally healthy eyes. You tend to find a lot more dry eye symptoms occur if you're sleep deprived. Drinking enough water. That water is a real, real important part of your tear film. It's important that you're drinking enough water, especially if you drink a lot of caffeine. It's important to also make sure you get enough water in your day. Protecting your eyes in the sun is a big one here. So not just for the internal eye, the external eye as well. And you mentioned taking off makeup. That's really important because over time, if we're not taking off makeup, the eyelid margins and the eyelids become inflamed. Now that's another source of dry eye that's just there. So we've already got the battle of the hormonal changes which can cause dry eye. We've got the battle of dry eye from over exerting ourselves on a computer screen. And now we potentially have dry eyes from over wearing makeup and not being able to clean it off properly. Wow, you've given us lots to think about, Grishma. Thank you so much for joining me today. That's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us, listeners. And don't forget to pick up a copy of Prevention Magazine where you'll find lots more great information about living your best life at midlife. I'm Andrea Duval, and I look forward to seeing you for our next series in October. Bye for now. Bye.